Well, our, uh, our passage this morning is over on page um, three, page three. We're returning to 2 Corinthians 4, uh, today focusing in on verses 16 through 18. We're going to back up a little bit and read from verse 7, see how it all flows together. So let's, uh, let's begin just by reading God's word. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested, also manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, uh, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise <laughs> us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, use, use your word and build up your people even here this morning. And may we see the life that's in Christ and the hope you have for us in him. But we do ask it in Jesus' name. So this past week, were you tempted, tempted to lose heart? Tempted to lose heart. Did you see Paul beginning our, our, our focus here this morning, verse 16, and he says, so we do not lose heart. And you might remember uh, from a few weeks ago, he started the whole chapter with those words. Uh, we do not lose heart. Begins ends, repeats himself, uh, he seems to be implying that this is a big temptation for God's people. Uh, we're tempted to lose heart. And in fact, chapter 4, he's going out of his way to, to give some of the details and, and feelings and, and, and impressions of life in this fallen world that would encourage us, to challenge us, uh, to sometimes lose heart. Right? He calls us, verse 7, jars of clay, easily broken and and fragile and brittle. Uh, he's verse, uh, verse 8 and 9, he describes the Christian life, saying that we're afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Did you hear him in the next couple verses use the word death three different times uh, to talk about his uh, experience in this world? It's, it's like a death. 
All right, he's, he's, he's going out of his way to show all these different things. No wonder we're tempted to feel uh, afflicted. No wonder we're tempted to lose heart. Uh, but in light of all that, Paul says, we don't lose heart. Okay, why, Paul? Right, help us out. Why, in light of all of that, don't we lose heart? And that's really what chapter 4 is all about. Here's the reasons why we don't lose heart in the midst of all this. Uh, the last two weeks, we've, we've focused primarily on Paul's encouragement uh, about the present. Right? We don't lose heart because of what God's doing now. Uh, and then this week, he transitions us to the future. We don't lose heart because of God. what God will do. Uh, right? So first, uh, it's the glory of the present that sustains us. Quick review, if you, if you missed it the last two weeks. Uh, he says, we're sustained because of God's present glory at work, a treasure in jars of clay. Uh, he says that the glory of the present flows out of the fact that for the believer, we're united to Jesus. Right? We're connected to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, and so, united to Christ, we're never alone. Uh, he's always with us uh, and always for us. And that's why we're safe, because we're connected to him. Uh, it means that even our afflictions, we're not alone in them. Uh, and it also means that our afflictions are pointless uh, because we're connected to Christ, uh, which means we're connected to that life of death and then resurrection. So even when we go through deaths in this world, it's because God is taking on that, us on that Christ-like road, first death, uh, then arising. And he's talked to us about some of what that looks like in this world. Okay, yeah, there's those, those deaths uh, but God is doing a resurrection, glory life now. Some of that is God changing us and transforming us on the inside, making us more like Christ. Some of that we saw last week is, is God sends us through affliction so he can build others up, right? Paul says, uh, death's at work in me, life in you, Corinthians, right? Paul suffers so the Corinthians can be built up. We go through that as well as we love others. We go low so others can be built up. Right, so don't lose heart, Paul says, because of the glory of the present. But he says, but that's not it. That's not it. We don't lose heart because of the glory that is yet to come. He focuses our gaze upon what is yet uh, to be. Uh, because without this, uh, we're not going to make it. Uh, without the, the future, we'll never keep our hope intact in the present, our joy uh, enduring in the present. Um, years back, I ran, ran into this quote uh, from uh, pastor and author Eugene Peterson, and I might have shared it with you before, but it's, it's, it's so simple, yet it's so profound. Here's what he says. Now, he's writing about Christian joy. Christian joy. Uh, and he says, just as joy builds on the past, it borrows on the future. Think about that. Christian joy borrows on the future. So it's, it's a financial picture. And he's, and he's saying that the, the, the present, our present, doesn't have enough spiritual cash to sustain our joy. Right? The, 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 the present afflictions and the present circumstances, there's just not enough spiritual financing here now uh, to sustain our joy. But, but... We have this eternal future treasure hidden with Christ. Uh, and so what we get to do as Christians 
is uh, impoverished as we are now is we get to borrow on the future. Uh, as it were, fixing our gaze on what's to come, we kind of make a little withdrawal. You know, we go to the heavenly ATM and, and, and withdraw. So, so that's how we can sustain our afflictions now. It's, it, it can't be by just looking around here. It, right? We're too impoverished. Our, our world is too broken. But if we're looking to the treasure that is to come, then we can, then we can borrow from it. And that's what it will sustain us now. And that's why Paul ends this section uh, really, really in a, in a climax, in a crescendo of language, because he knows that, and he's fixing our eyes on it, right? It's got to be what is to come that will sustain us here. This is why we don't lose heart, for because of what is uh, to come. So if, if perhaps you feel a little bit uh, like a jar of clay, uh, if you feel a little bit spiritually cash-strapped, Paul says, fix your eyes on the future. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's follow him. Uh, look upon the glory that is to come so we can, we can make a withdrawal. We can borrow on it. First thing we need to do is, is lay the foundation. What Paul uh, says in our primary text, 16 to 18, is really built on the foundation of verse 14. Here's what he assumes we have in mind. It's the, it's the, the future that is to come in Christ. So verse 14, he says, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Um, okay, kids, what's the, what's the next big holiday we're going to celebrate here at church? Next big holiday, go for it. Yes! Easter! Easter! What's so great about Easter? What are we celebrating? Right? That Jesus rose from the grave, that he died, uh, but he didn't stay dead, that he rose up on the third day, that first Easter Sunday morning. Uh, but it's not just good news for Jesus, it's good news for us. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Uh, it's good news for us who trust in Jesus because we're connected to this Jesus, uh, right? So Jesus raised from the dead, right? There's the first part of verse 14, uh, that he who raised uh, the Lord Jesus will raise us also with him, with Jesus, right? There's that, there's that union with Christ idea. Uh, so that if you're connected to Jesus, that's what a believer is. If you're connected to Jesus and, okay, Jesus died, but then was raised up, Paul says that's the guarantee uh, that we're going to follow that same road. Uh, and, and he's talking here not just about a spiritual resurrection, Though he elsewhere will say, we'll make that, that connection, that's real too. Uh, part of why we are born anew, why we're uh, recreated in Christ, is because God does this spiritual resurrection. Uh, right? We were dead in sins and we're made alive in Christ. There's a resurrection on the inside that happens in the here and now in this life when God brings us to faith. But here he's thinking about bodily resurrection. Right? That kind of thing that we see in Jesus on Easter Sunday morning, the first uh, Easter Sunday, that, he, that he's alive physically again. And Paul says, that's our future uh, because we're connected to Jesus. Jesus is going to return, and we're going to be raised up. Yeah, like Jesus will die, um, but our bodies will be raised up. Here's how he puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. Right? The believer, united to Christ, walks that same road. Physically, bodily, we die like Jesus did, but connected to him, we will rise. Transformed bodies and the transformed life that comes with it. Notice how, how Jesus or how Paul here talks about uh, we're raised with Christ for a purpose, right? So verse 14 goes on, that he who raised uh, the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, right? This is, this is why we're raised up bodily, so we can go into the very presence of God and be with him for all eternity. And have all the life and the blessing and the joy that's only found from the Creator Himself. Uh, raised up so that we can be in His, in His presence forever. That's the good news. That's where God is taking us. Uh, that's what we sang about the, a few moments ago. Uh, thinking about that, that eternal city. That's where God is taking all His, His people. And that's a future, well, you need to, you need to trust it. You need to believe in this. Uh, in this Christ, because uh, that's how we get it. Uh, it's by having Jesus. Uh, it's, it's important for us to, uh, to remember uh, that without Jesus, there isn't this resurrection life. Uh, scripture does talk about every single person being raised bodily on that final day, but Scripture says some will be raised to life, but some will be raised to everlasting death, uh, to, to, to judgment. Uh, to, to what the Bible calls hell, uh, right? Some raised to everlasting death. Uh, and we need to remember what the Bible teaches. Uh, it's not good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. No, because Scripture says we're all bad people. Right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so if it were just us, then we're all raised to, to judgment and death. Uh, but the way we get life is by being connected to Jesus, right? You get Jesus, then you get this new life. We get his righteousness, his goodness, by being connected to him, and then we, therefore we get the, the resurrection life on that final day that only comes with him. And that's why you can't get this life to come without getting Jesus, having Jesus. So do you, do you have Jesus? Because you're trusting in him. You're turning from your sin and trusting in what he did for you, do you have Jesus? If you're if you're not sure, uh, that that's something to that's something to, to, to take time with. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. It's it's, it's a big deal, right? It's it's life and death. Uh, but for those who have him, here is here's the foundation. Here's the good news of what God will do: resurrection, newness of life, bodily transformed world. That's what's waiting. And now Paul says we need to meditate. Uh, there's, our, there's the heavenly uh, treasure, the future treasure, and now we need to, to meditate on it so we can borrow on that future. Uh, and so that's our, our, our next uh, point, meditating on futures. Contrast. See, Paul is going to do his meditation on the future by talking about a series of contrasts. Uh, he's going to contrast uh, what's here now with, with what, is, uh, what is to come. This is why we don't lose heart because of these contrasts. Uh, so the first one, uh, com compare transformations. This is verse 16. Compare transformations. So we do not lose heart, 
though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The outer self is wasting away. Here's the, here's the jar of clay stuff, right? This, this is uh, probably not exclusively thinking about bodily, physical stuff, though that's a huge part of it. But it's that which is connected to this fallen world. And that includes our physical bodies, the outer uh, self. What's happening to, to the outer self? It, it's decaying. Right? And so we get a big picture of that on a bodily level. Right? The, more, the more we live, the more we decay. Right? The more aches, the more pains, uh, the more conditions that need treating, uh, the more things that we used to be able to do that we can't quite do anymore, right? the decaying and wasting away. But, Paul says, compare that uh, with where God is taking us, what he's transforming, the, what he calls the inner self. He says we're, we're being transformed. Uh, we're being renewed on the, on the inside. No, no decay, no far from it. Uh, we're being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. The, the beauty of, of godliness, the, uh, the fullness of Christ-like love. That's what God is building in us on the inside. It's the exact opposite of what's happening on the outer. Uh, God is renewing, giving more life. And again, it, it, it comes because we're connected to Christ. Uh, it's that resurrection life of Christ being, being put into us, dawning in us now, as we're transformed more and more. And God's going to finish the job. Uh, so if you, if, you, if, you, if you feel the, uh, the, the decay this week, you feel the, uh, the wasting away on the outside, you can, you can have it be a reminder to you, that's not the whole story. God is changing me on the inside, and he will finish it. But let's, let's go to the, the, the next two comparisons. Um, verse 17, we compare weightiness. We compare weightiness. Uh, so, verse 17. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So Paul says, think about, think about weight. Uh, kids, can I show you something? Can I show you something? I won't show you something every week, but this week's, this week's kind of special. Do you know what this is? Have you seen one of these before? Have you seen one of these? All right. It's a scale, balance. Right? So you can compare which weighs more. So I have two things. Feather. We'll put that on one side. Rock. What do you think is going to happen if I put the rock in this side? What do you think? Which one's heavier? Yeah, it's going to fall because the rock is heavier, right? Let's see. <laughs> Almost broke it. <laughs> Compare what's heavier. If that rock was any bigger, it might break the whole thing. Okay, that's what, that's what God is saying we need to do here. That's what Paul's saying we need to do here. Compare. Uh, get a spiritual scale and compare what is, what is heavier. Uh, Paul's not comparing feathers and rocks. He's comparing the afflictions of this world with what he calls the eternal weight of glory. Right? The afflictions of this age and the eternal weight of glory. And what's the, what's the verdict? As he puts uh, each, uh, each of those in, in opposite sides of the balance, uh, he says it's, it, it's beyond all measure, beyond all comparison. He says you break the scale. Uh, now, now you read that quickly. And you, you, might, you might think, right, he uses this language of light, momentary afflictions. You read that quickly, and you might think, well, 
is Paul kind of trivializing our, you know, our present sufferings? Right? You can imagine uh, just taking these words by themselves and you know maybe marching into the hospital, into the cancer ward, and being like, ah, light momentary afflictions. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, or, or you know, going into going into a funeral home, up to the grieving family, light momentary afflictions. Right? Is that what Paul's doing? Is he trivializing the uh, the, the present? Uh, no, it's context. Right? Context is everything. In fact, Paul's been going out of his way to talk about how difficult those afflictions are. Right? Remember all that language, uh, verses eight and nine: afflicted, perplexed, struck down. Actually, Paul uses the same word. Uh, in, in another place. So this word that he uses in verse 17, uh, beyond all comparison or beyond all measure, uh, he uses that same word back in chapter 1, only this time he's referring to his, uh, his suffering. At that time back in Asia where he was so, so opposed and oppressed that he says he despaired of life. He despaired of life and he says back then that he was burdened beyond all measure. And now he takes that same word, which before he says referred to how burdened he was with the affliction of, of that moment. And now he's saying, well, yeah, but I'm going to talk about it now uh, in comparison with the eternal weight of glory that is to come. And he says, now that is beyond all measure. That's what breaks the scale. So it's not that the present stuff is nothing. It's feathered. It's, it's at the presence of in comparison to, right? It's the, it's the balance in comparison to what is to come, uh, right? That, uh, that the glory to come is so substantial, so real, so glorious, that it makes the present affliction, as burdensome as it is, seem, seem like nothing in comparison. Maybe, maybe the way you could, you could ask it is like this. As, as, you, as you think about the, the challenges of this world, as you think about the afflictions of this world, maybe something you're going through, uh, you see people you love around you going through, you know, as you think about those hardships, you could maybe ask it this way. What would it take in the life to come, in the glory to come, what would it take to make that present stuff feel like a feather? What would it take? And Paul says, that's what God has planned. You could, you could make it personal. Uh, you're, you're, you're walking through a week and something just feels so burdensome and difficult. Paul will tell you from the context of this passage, you're right. It is hard. It is difficult. It is something that's afflicting and, and burdening. So that you think like, wow, in and of itself, this seems like beyond all measure. What would it take then, you could ask yourself, what would it take to have this hard thing seem like a feather in comparison. Paul's saying, that's what God has planned for his people. It's that weighty. It's hard to even wrap our minds around. But God said, that's what's coming. The resurrection glory to come that Christ won. Uh, remember remember what, what uh, we read in Romans 8 this morning. Similar statement. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, uh, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Which leads us to the next comparison, that of duration. That of duration. Verse 18. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So he says, now, compare duration. How long, how long is it going to last? Uh, and on one side, it's transient, fleeting. On the other side, it's eternal, never-ending. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a little bit related to weightiness. Uh, he actually snuck in some duration language in verse 17. Uh, what did he say about the afflictions of this world? He says, light, momentary affliction. Uh, they're, they're, they're related, aren't they? Because that, that which is light uh, doesn't last, right? Like, it's, it's, like, it's like a feather, right? you know? It's going to quickly blow away. Uh, it's not going to last very long. Uh, or actually, what uh, what it made me think of um, is food. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, but imagine yourself sitting down to a meal, and you have uh, a plate of cotton candy and, and a plate with a T-bone steak. Right? Cotton candy. It, it's, it's light, and it doesn't last. Right? It, it almost quite literally disappears in your mouth. And it certainly doesn't last long in your stomach. Uh, but then there's the steak, and there's, there's, that, there's that heaviness to it, the, the wonderful, glorious heaviness of that, of that steak. It, it lasts. It endures. It sticks with you because it's, it's got that heaviness to it. Right? And that's what Paul's talking about. And again, it's, it's comparison. Uh, it's not that the, the things of this world don't feel like they, they the hardships don't feel like they, they last. They do, right? If you're in the middle of, uh, of something, it can seem like it's never ending. Uh, like a, the, the valley has no, uh, you know, has no exit and you're just stuck there. And at time, like standing still in the midst of affliction. Uh, so, so affliction here can feel long lasting. Again, it's comparison. Uh, again, you could say, well, what, it, what would it take? What would it take in the life to come to make this hard, what seems like a never-ending difficulty, seem like an instant, light, momentary, it's gone? How great would eternity have to be? Paul says that's, that's what God has planned. That's exactly what he has uh, planned, such that in comparison, the present difficulties are like, Feather, like, like cotton candy. Right? The glory to come is, is that good. He calls it that which is unseen. Uh, unseen. Uh, versus the stuff that we see now. Right? The stuff that we see now, both the good and the bad, uh, all, all that stuff is, is not going to last. Right? It's not going to endure. Versus what is unseen, that is the life to come. Uh, it's unseen to us now. Uh, we will see it. When Christ returns, it will be visible. But right now, we can't see it. Uh, think of resurrection bodies. We can't see that yet. Uh, transformed world. Well, we certainly can't see that yet. Uh, how, about, how about the face of our Savior and being in his presence? We can't see that either. Uh, but that is the, they are the very things uh, that last. And the things that we see are the things uh, that don't last, that don't, that don't endure. And again, it's by comparison. Uh, that, that, that which is to come uh, will be so enduring uh, that it will make the challenges and hardships of this world seem like, seem like nothing. And Paul here, in this one, seems to give us something to do with it. He says, 
he says, here's your job, here's your task. Uh, fix your gaze on that which lasts. Do you see that implied there in verse 18? As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Right? Fix your gaze, not on that which is visible, which isn't going to last, but fix your gaze on that which is unseen, because that's what's actually going to last. Fix your gaze on it. Uh, find your joy in it. Find your hope in it. Maybe that, that's a good way to connect back to where we started. Remember how we, we began with that idea of, of having joy now uh, because you're borrowing on the future? It, it strikes me that many of us do that just naturally. You probably do that uh, all the time. Uh, you're, you have something that's coming up on the calendar, and you're looking forward to it. And, and it helps you get through some challenges today. right? It's a, you know, a hard week, but you've got these nice weekend plans. And so you're looking forward to that, and it helps you kind of trudge through the present uh, challenge of the week. right? You're essentially borrowing on the future uh, for, for, to help you now. Uh, or, or you got these big summer plans, and you're just excited by that, and you, you keep thinking about it, and that helps you get through a cold, winter, dark morning. You're kind of borrowing on the future to help you now. And none of that is a bad thing. Right? Paul isn't saying here that that, uh, that which we see here is bad. Right? He'll actually say elsewhere in 1 Timothy 6 that all things that God gives are, are, are for us to enjoy. So the earthly pleasures of this life in, in the biblical context, they're good. And God loves to give those good gifts. But what he's saying here is, is it doesn't last, so you can't really bank your hope on it. Uh, enjoy it, yes, but, but, but ultimately find your hope and your joy in it. It's not going to sustain. It's not, it's not enduring enough, the things of this life. It's not weighty enough. Maybe you actually use one to help you with the other. So you find yourself in, in, kind of looking forward to something, Right, a weekend plan, a summer plan, or whatever it is, and you're in this hard place now. And you're, oh, I just got to, this will be great. I'm looking forward to that. Good. Use that. Say to yourself, that's a good gift. And my father loves to give good gifts, that future plan. Uh, and, and he's very well going to give that gift. Thank you, Lord. But you can say to yourself, I know that that's not quite weighty enough. Not even close to weighty enough to truly uh, sustain me now. So I'm going to use that future to remind me of an even better future, an even more lasting future, an even more weighty future. And there is where I'm going to have my, you're going to kind of bounce your gaze. You're going to kind of see that, that future plan. That's great. But I'm going to have that point me, bounce my gaze to something that really endures. And that's what's going to sustain me now. That's when I, what's going to give hope and joy uh, now. So we fix our eyes, Paul says, not on that which is seen, which is temporary, that which is unseen, which is eternal. Uh, how do you fix your gaze on that which is eternal? Well, part of what you do is you keep looking at Jesus. Because Jesus is that picture uh, of, of the eternal for us. Right? That's, uh, that's the whole idea of being united to Christ. His story is our story. So the more we look at Jesus, the more we see, oh yeah, that's where I'm going. Right, I'm going to that resurrection life. You study Jesus, you look at Jesus. Look, that's what hardship now, but glory to come. You keep looking back to Jesus, and you'll see the treasure that is to come, a picture of it. And, of course, you do that as you look at Scripture, keep Scripture before your eyes, keep looking to Jesus. Thankfully, God has a picture of Jesus right here. 
and, and, and we get here and we see our story. Because Jesus died, uh, but he's not still dead. There's, there's our hope. There's the glory to come. Uh, so let's go to the Lord's table, but, but first we'll, we'll pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have a great and glorious hope for your people. Uh, that there is, Lord, good, sustaining strength so that your people cannot lose heart. Lord, remind us of these things. Show us uh, that, that future hope in Christ. Help it to be more and more weighty in our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, even use the, the sacrament of the supper to show us uh, what Jesus has, has done for us and the future he has won. We pray in his name. Amen.